Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Is social studies. That is you and the world. Yes, there is a world out there, and even if you decide you don't want to meet it, it's still going to hit you right in the face. Believe me. So, best you start thinking about the world now and what it means to you. What does the world mean to you? All right, so we're not global thinkers yet, but why aren't we? We're 11. Good point. What's your name? Trevor. Maybe Trevor is absolutely right. Why should we think about the world? I mean, after all, what does the world expect of us? Expect. Mm -hmm. Of you. What does the world expect of you? Nothing. My God, boys and girls, he's absolutely right. Nothing. This is your assignment. Extra credit. It goes on all year long. It's just a big disappointment. Unless you take the things that you don't like about this world and you flip them upside down and you can start that today. That's me and that's three people and I'm going to help them. Then they do it for three other people and they do it for three more. But it has to be something really big, something they can't do by themselves. Lost your car? That's a keen observation. I can help you. You're giving me a brand new Jaguar and you don't want anything? Call it generosity between two strangers. What did you tell my son to make him bring a homeless man into my house? I've got a story, okay? Senior partner Candy and Moss is giving away new cars. Just pay it forward. Three big favors for three other people. Hello. You can't just put two people together and make them like each other. This is the one. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. It's like this idea. The, the movement, it's reached LA in a second. Come on, the movement? So you're like, flunk us, we don't change the world. You might just squeak by with a seat. Pay it forward. The, the movement, it's reached LA, Mrs. McKinney. Come on, the movement? Any moment that you open your heart to somebody, then it's, then the idea works. And the moment you shut your heart down in some way, then it dies. It's that fragile a thing. And that's why I pay it forward in all those places. Because my mom. Because she was so brave. It's a nice thought of people being able to do this. I mean, if everybody takes and does their part, I mean, the world will be helped. I'm not going to sit here and say it would work in real life, but I'll sit here and say, why not try it? But I guess it's hard for some people who are so used to things the way they are. And they kind of give up. When they do, everybody kind of... They kind of lose. The, the film sort of puts that idea out there a little bit and how people will respond to it. Um, 
it will be up to them. Cool, cool. Hey, welcome to church again. My name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're just uh, coming along today thinking you thought you were at the cinemas for a minute there, thought, oh, hang on, did I actually rock up at a church? I just I might be at the cinemas. We're in a series called uh, Cinema Sundays, and we're looking at messages from the movies. Who's been enjoying it? All four of us. Excellent. Oh, I'm glad. It's good. Me too. <laughs> now, it's been really good, a creative way, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, next month. Uh, we've got two more weeks of Cinema Sundays, and then we're moving into a bit of a, a for August, we're going to be getting some guests in and some different ministries around it, being an outward-focused church and being on mission. And so we've got youth care coming and different sorts of things. So looking forward, stay tuned for that. But, but we're still in this series, Cinema Sundays. And before I get into it, love that movie, Pay It Forward. Um, just a couple of announcements. Uh, anybody here turning 21 today? Oh, we've got another. Happy birthday to James, our youth coordinator. 21 today. And uh, great that God bless you for being in church on your 21st, mate. Good stuff. Uh, also, uh, if you get our weekly emails and updates, you, hopefully uh, you would have seen the email from the elders this week around church finances and budget and vision going forward. Uh, just wonder, in case you hadn't got that, uh, let us know, you know, check your junk, but if you're not getting our emails and you thought you were, please do let us know. Alrighty, pay it forward. I love this movie, I love the, the, this idea, and uh, it's uh, interesting if you watch the movie, who's seen the movie? A lot of people have seen it, a bit of an older one, so I thought a lot of people would have seen it, um, around this idea of the power of generosity, uh, the power of kindness, the power of being selfless. And here's this boy's little idea of just if, if you pay one blessing to you onto three other people and, and how it can spread and what it can do, and I love the word they use, it's a movement. And really is, it's a movement, and, and so much so that if you right at the end, uh, sorry to spoiler alert, but uh, he, he actually gives his life. Uh, I wonder where that sort of idea could come from, that someone would give their life to bless the world. And so it's just got that rich sense of gospel for me in it. But it also reminds me, um, and we're going to look at a couple of scriptures today, and uh, they're both in chapter 6. So if you've got your, your Bibles there, Luke chapter 6 and Mark chapter 6 are the two places we're going to be going, because the whole principle of paying it forward and blessing others and and there's some powerful scenes we're not going to look at. We could preach on from all different scenes of what happens in that movie. But the actual principle, let's look at Luke 6, verse 38. This one verse, it says this, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know the most important word in that whole sentence, two sentences, the most powerful word and important word is it. It. Give and it. What you give. Uh, years ago, I did a personal training course. It's probably pretty obvious when you look at me, I know. But uh, not really. It was a long time ago. Actually, it was 2008. Sky reminds me of them days and when I was really actually was fit. And I got paid to do a personal training course from the Muck and Boudin Shire and became a personal trainer. Went and started a gym at Muck and Boudin, wrote out 200 programs for people. Anyway, what, I digress. But the, uh, the, the whole thing we learned then about energy is that in the morning, if you exert energy, if you give out energy and exert it, you will have more energy during the day. Don't you notice that? 
Like, I'll come into the office. That's why you get a, a, when I was sheep shearing, you just had energy all day because you get up and you get into it. But if you come into an office job and you get a coffee and you write a couple of emails, you're ready for a nana nap by 11 a.m. What is it about that? Because you, you give and it will be given to you. In this scripture here, it's if you give, what you give will be given back to you. When you give kindness, kindness will be coming back to you. When you give mercy, and in the context of the actual chapter 6, forgiveness and mercy and non-judgmentalism, not being judgmental, it will be given back to you. Um, when you give generosity, generous people, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, the Bible says. The world of the stingy is smaller and smaller. But why? Because what you give, it comes back to you. It's a powerful, powerful thought. Um, a life that gives. That's sort of a, a bit of a title or Jesus can do a lot with a little. Because we're going to go to Mark chapter 6 now and God can do a lot with a little bit of lunch. Amen. You know this story. God can do a lot with just a little. And I want to encourage you with that today. Uh, Mark chapter 6, we're going to kick it off at verse 30. I'm going to read a bit of Bible. So this is powerful, powerful scriptures. I love it. So give you a bit of context. This is one of the largest crowds for Jesus to minister to. There was 5,000 men plus women and children. Um, now, they had been staying all day to hear him speak. Isn't it amazing, though, just a side note, how Jesus has this large crowd. I just love how Jesus brings people around his word without Facebook, without advertising, without a marketing campaign, but the word of God. Don't you believe it's the word of God and the power of God and the Holy Spirit that draws people to Jesus? Come on, people will cross suburbs to get into an environment where Jesus is at the center, where his word is real and alive and the Holy Spirit is allowed to move. Amen. That's what I pray. That's what we're hungry for here, more and more of that. These people were, were um, hungry spiritually, but they were starting to get um, hungry physically as well. Uh, by the way, this is the miracle of feeding the 5,000 with a little lunch. But did you know that this miracle is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Guess what the only other miracle recorded in all four Gospels is? The resurrection, isn't that interesting? This is, this is like in line with the resurrection, something powerful in this story. Now, they'd had a long day. Um, the, the, it was a huge day. It was probably a bit stressful. John the Baptist had been um, murdered. There'd been some grief around, probably. People were tiring. And I'd say everyone's almost bordering on burnout. And, and this is what happens, Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus. And they reported, reported to him all they had done and taught. They had been just working hard. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. That's, you, know, you know you're busy when you just don't have a chance to, to have a meal. And who's been that? I'm sure we've all at times been that busy. You just, well, I'd like to eat, but I'll just eat on the run and you forget to eat. But it would have been exciting too because God is moving. So that, that sort of, when you're excited and it's more, you know, my food is to do the will of God. You know, like uh, it's more exciting to get the Word of God than, than bread. And they, they, they're in this place of excitement. They didn't have a chance to eat. So Jesus, caring for them, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Oh, they would have been, yes, that's just what I wanted to hear. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. 
So your rest has now turned into restlessness. Verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he was really annoyed. Doesn't say that. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day or the day King James had worn on. This was like late. So his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. This is like way out at Makambudan and the cafe is about to close, he said. It's remote. And they said, it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Just capture this for a moment before we go to the next verse and put yourself in the disciples' shoes. Often I'm thinking if I was a disciple and we're like, it's been huge. Like Jesus' sermon has turned into a sermon series in one day. Like, and you're the disciple that's like, hey, he's, it's great teaching, but you know, these people have got to eat, they're getting hungry. I, actually, I think the disciples were probably the committee spokesperson, go and talk to Jesus and tell him about this problem we've got. So you can imagine going over to Jesus and saying, Jesus, look, I love your preaching. It's really good. And everyone does too. And some powerful points here. And we could listen. I mean, I personally could keep on listening all night. But, you know, there's some people here that are probably getting really hungry. You know, they really probably should be sent away. And could we send the problem? I mean, the people, send the people away uh, so that they can get something to eat. But I think the disciples were the hungry ones. I don't know about you. Verse 37, but he answered, you Give them something to eat. <laughs> you imagine the feeling then. Okay, this is not working. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. So again, they're not just like straight obedience. They're like chatting with Jesus. I don't know about this, Jesus. Um, that would take more than half a year's wages. Judas is handling the budget at the moment. It's a bit di- dicey. You're not really sure what's, where some money's gone. Uh, but are we, are we really going to spend that much on bread and give the, to them to eat? And Jesus says, They brought up bread. He's like, well, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. So they went and they found five, we know the story, five loaves and two fish. And I reckon if I was the disciples, I would have been like, yes, let's go back and tell him. All we've got is five loaves of bread and two fish. He'll finally send them away now. Like, this is perfect. This would would have been like a sigh of relief. So he goes back and and he's thinking, you know, once Jesus sees how under-resourced we are, we will be able to send the people away and actually get back to just resting with Jesus like the whole plan was from the start. But verse 39 says this, Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in their connect groups, into uh, small groups, on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. Now, think about being a disciple here. I just put myself in, that, in them shoes and you've heard what's going on. You're like, this guy's serious. He's about to say the most famous grace ever to be said. And he's like lifting up the five loaves. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. <laughs> uh, I could just imagine watching this happen. And if I was a disciple, as he's like, he's giving him to distribute to the people. And I get my first little bit of bread from Jesus go to the first person, it's James, and I go, James, just take a really little bit, like tiny, like don't fill up, like you're fasting today anyway, uh, I'll be like, and then it says this, he also divided the two fish among them all, verse 42, they all ate, this is the miracle, and were satisfied, 
So much so, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces and bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. I love this miracle. It's kind of fitting for a grazing table morning where we're going to eat together. Uh, Jesus can do a whole lot with just a little bit of generosity. And I don't have uh, key points, rather just a few ideas to throw at us about generos- a spirit of generosity that we see in this text. And also living a generous life that gets larger and larger. Um, some of the thoughts I have, firstly, number one in this text, we see that uh, gener- generous spirits often see impossibility as opportunity. Uh, an impossible situation as an opportunity. You know, the disciples were like, just send the people away. Uh, let's, let's get that they didn't see it. But Jesus looked at this and thought, there's great opportunity, I reckon, for the disciples. Great opportunity for the people. Great opportunity for himself. There's just great opportunity. And you know, when you think about it, every single miracle is always preceded by a mess or a problem. You can't have a miracle without a problem. So I just want to tell you this morning, God is excited about your problems. It's a great thought. God is excited. You, we often get, oh, I've got problems. God's excited because he's not looking at, at it as an and, as a, um, obstacle. He's looking at it as an opportunity. And, and generosity is when we have eyes to say, you know what, there might be some problems, but there's also great opportunities. Uh, what is your impossible situation this morning? This was an impossible situation to the disciples, but to Jesus it was, no, this is an opportunity for me, to opportunity for trust, an opportunity for faith, an opportunity to see something happen. I heard the story of a pastor who was uh, had to uh, go to his church and break the news to them that unfortunately their uh, $15,000 uh, air conditioning and heating unit had, had broken down, was completely destroyed, and they were going to have to replace it and get a whole new one. So he thought, thought about what he was going to do. So he went to the church and he said, look, church, look, I've got, I've got bad news and I've got good news and I've got bad news. Look, the bad news is our aircon unit has broken. It did cost about $15,000. It's going to cost that to replace. It's bad news. The good news is we have the money. We have all the $15,000. The bad news is it's still in your pockets. <laughs> anyway, Jesus had a problem, but he just saw the problem but he saw the opportunity. He saw that he saw past it, and then this could be an opportunity for blessing. This could be an opportunity to show them what generosity really looks like. The second thing I see in this story is that a generous spirit is when we are moved with compassion. It doesn't say that Jesus. Oh, that's interesting how that one came up, didn't it? I mustn't have done that slide properly. Oh, all of them are like that. Okay, that's my fault. That's my bad PowerPoint skills. I need Blaze to help me with that. Blaze helps me with the video beforehand. He did a great job of that. And now time to move on to the PowerPoints. Where was I? Moved with compassion. I love this thought how when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, instantly his heart had compassion. Even in the fatigue of a huge day, um, he was generous with his time. He was generous with his words. He was generous with his gifts to the people. He was generous with compassion. He didn't look with judgment. He wasn't thinking, gee, I hope they brought their own lunch today. He wasn't condemning them for being unprepared, but rather this is an opportunity and I'm just moved with compassion. You know, compassion, especially in the movie, Pay It Forward, it's compassion that leads to generosity. 
It's not just feeling. It's the compassion is that gut moving on the inside of you with a compassion to see something change, to see a difference. And generosity is generally birthed from compassion, wanting to see something. And in the movie, we see that when he has compassion on the homeless guy and comes in and they eat their Fruit Loops together. Um, that's what generosity looks like. Number three, or I don't even have numbers, I'm just saying that. But ne- next point is, uh, I love this thought, is that when you have a generous spirit, you're not, um, how do you say it? You, you don't judge your problems by your own resources. You don't judge the problem by your own resources. Jesus answered, you give him something to eat. I love this thought. Look, the disciples all they could see was their own limited resources. Well, this is what we have. And don't we sometimes do that in life? In relationships, in a marriage, in family, in work, in, in every area? We look at it and we just think, well, well, this is what I have. And the disciples are like, what we have does not meet the requirements for the problem we're facing. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't limit his thinking by what he has. He limits his thinking by all that he has. I love that scripture that says, He will supply all your need according to his riches in glory. That all your needs will be met, not according to your supply, but to God's supply. This is for every area of our life. It's not just a financial thing. It's for every area of our life that you, like I love how Jetty with communion said, we have been made brand new. We are washed clean. We have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places to draw on in our life. And, and you know, Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. And tell you what, you can't get any more resource than having God with you. The next thought is, I love this, is how Jesus is so generous, not just with the miracle, but with people. He, he releases other people into the miracle. I love that thought. He gave it to his disciples to distribute to the people. He was saying, I want you to be a part of the divine distribution of releasing heaven on earth. That's really what it, we're a part of here. The divine distribution of releasing heaven on earth today. That's a great thought. Um, I've read different things about this. Did the, did the miracle actually physically take place as Jesus prayed? Did it, you know, did it suddenly become all this bread and fish? But then that would have been too heavy to carry around. Did the miracle happen? I don't know when, but I believe it was personally. It's my own little take. Is that as the disciples were just handing it out, the miracle was taking place in their hands. Jesus wanted them in on this, that they were a part of the miracle business with him, that they were like, we're a part of this. God is using my hands to release heaven on earth. And God wants that for you this morning. God wants that in your life, that what you put your hand to, he's got his blessing on it. Amen. And other people are blessed as they're distributing. He wants everyone in on this. See, it's not really about us doing something for Jesus but it's about Jesus doing something through us. And that is how we partner with him. And don't you think Jesus could have just just turned it all into what it needed to be? He could have just said, disciples, watch this. Sit down, and when I say clap, clap. Right, here we go. And it- <laughs> And he does it. He could have just, they could have been spectators. But who knows? God is not wanting to raise up a church of spectators, but he's wanting to raise up a church of participators that have their hands to the plow, not looking back and are going forward in the kingdom. And that's the call of God on our life that you would find at Calamunda, find your, 
your sense of gifting, your sense of sweet spot from God, what you're called to do. And we want to be a church that champions you, resources you, and cheers you on into all the things that God has for you. Amen? It's not going to be a church, sit back and just hear Brad speak. No, we're going to be people of the kingdom who get out and let our hands release what God has given to us. And He's wanting to pour into your lap so it can overflow to others. And I want you to think about your own story. I'm pretty sure most of the stories around here of how you came to know Jesus wasn't that you were driving in the car one day and Jesus just rocked up next to you. I'm pretty sure all of us have got stories and we could pick a person that God moved through to impact our life. It was a person God moving through a person to you and you can go back to other people and different situations and circumstances because they were a part of releasing heaven to your earth. Of all the people though that God wanted to use, he used a generous young boy, this young boy and his lunch. I love this thought that this boy must have been reasonably close to Jesus. What do I mean by that? I don't mean close in necessarily relationally but definitely geographically. I believe that he was close to hear what Jesus, he must have been in a position to be seen, a position to know, hey, I'm the one with the food around here. He must have been leaning in to see what Jesus was, what was talking about. I reckon he was close there. And then, you know, in that day, there was 5,000 men because only men were counted. So they didn't count the women and the children So they were probably about 15,000 people, a huge crowd, not just 5,000. And I love the thought, this little boy wasn't even counted. But God often uses the people that we don't count because he counts them. He's using the ones that nobody else counted because he wants to take nobodies and make them somebodies to bless everybody. And he took this little boy that was considered a nobody in that day and said, you're a somebody to me because you're willing to give up your lunch. You're willing to be generous with a little bit, just a little bit. I'm going to show you what can, that can happen. That's going to be less everybody. And that's a great thought that I'm encouraged by that, 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 you know, I just need to give a little of my time. Sometimes can make a big difference in the hands of God. Just, just a little smile at the checkout sometimes can make somebody's day. Just a little blessing to somebody. Oh, man, I just love how God is such a generous God to me and it wants to overflow and flow through us to others around us. He loves that. Uh, I'm going to... He gets the people to sit down in their... I'm not going to go into that one connect group thing. That was quite cool, I thought. Though It's interesting how he got them into groups and he didn't want to... Uh, he didn't want to see this, because if you, know, if, you, if you were just sitting on your own, you wouldn't have seen the full picture of the miracle. I'm going to go there now. If you were just sitting on your own, you will not see the full picture of the miracle. But in their groups, they were like, you're full? You're full? Groups of hundreds, and we're all full? How can we be all full? And when you're connected in small groups, in ministry, in small groups together, you get to look around and see the miracle in a different light. You get to see what God is doing in that person's life and that person's life, and it encourages you. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, I feel it in here this morning. That's an encouraging thought. You know, we're coming out of isolation, but the real question is isolation coming out of us. We can't stay in that spiritual isolation, but we've got to want to lean in and be connected in community. And, and we're trying to do better and, and be more effective as a church. It's been difficult, hasn't it, for all churches in the last couple of years in this space of connection and community. 
So uh, as we go forward, let's, let's give each other grace and say, how can, we, how can we be effective as we relaunch Connect Groups? In August, we've got uh, Stuart Wesley from Oasis People and Culture running two Tuesday night sessions, and that'll be a great way to come and connect together and find out how you can minister from how God's made you and more opportunities along the way. And love to see you next week at our uh, uh, welcome brunch for people that are just maybe considering this being your spiritual home and we're developing as I'm getting more settled in and established and us as elders establishing what, is it, what does that look like? What is the process from coming to, 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 to want to be a part of, of Kalamunda to be a spiritual home to membership and that sort of thing and we're working around and I'd love to see people get on that journey not just because we want lots of people, we want to see lots of miracles. We want to see people that are encouraging and spurring one another on that you can look back in a year's time and you know can say this word, you can say this. This is my dream that you could say, hey, since I started connecting at Kalamunda, I've been fulfilling all that God's called me to do in a more of a greater way. I find, I, f- I feel like I'm overcoming stuff. I used to be stuck in this, but I'm not anymore because I got in a community that loved me and cared for me. That's the heart that I have here in ministry. And I'm coming into a close now. The team want to come back up. Um, it's this little boy's generosity. We're just going to finish on the grace that Jesus, not the grace, but the, that, that final part where he lifts up the boy's lunch. Notice three things. He blessed it, taking the five loaves. He looked up to heaven, and what, we, what he was given was blessed. Think about this powerful thought. Jesus blessed something that was not enough. I love this thought. Because if you want to see God's more than enough in your life, you've got to give him what's not enough. And he will bless your not enough and make it more than enough if you're humble enough just to give a little to him, to give your heart to him, to give your life to him. And as you give him your stuff, I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about our lives, you know. And as we do that, he blesses it. And he blessed what the boy gave him. I just love that thought. And then he broke it. And as it was broken, it was now ready to impact the crowd. And I want to tell you some of the greatest impacts we will have in ministry around us in our lives will not be from your blessing, it'll be from your breaking. Broken people, what does God require? A broken and contrite heart. You know, some of the most powerful people that have impacted my life have been the most broken people. They've been through, when I say broken, it's not like they're broken and a mess, but they've been, God has broken them in a way that they're more humble than they used to be. Broken them in a way that they're more generous than they used to be. They've been, life has done some stuff and they've fallen on God. And as he broke this bread, it was in the breaking that the blessing was distributed. And we need to sometimes say, God, I want to have a broken and contrite heart that you can use me to feast others. Often it's what you've been through that will be a blessing to other people that can impact them. And lastly, I love how all the disciples and the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. I think another translation said that nothing would be wasted. Even broken stuff won't get wasted in your life. Of the bread and the fish. And I love the thought that it just overflowed. It just kept overflowing. Just put yourself in that picture that, that, that it was just overflowing. It wasn't like just enough. It wasn't like, hey, we've got 15,000 people. We're just going to have just enough. But one of the names of God is El Shaddai, more than enough. God wants to sometimes show up and show off 
in generosity in his heart. He's an overflowing God. And, and as this overflowed, I don't know whether it was the 12 disciples, they say, you know, they got one, they got one basket full each to take home in their doggy bag. They're like, hey, we got takeaway. It's going to feed me tomorrow. Or maybe they, I don't know, maybe they could now get away and sit with Jesus and rest and eat and be refreshed and just celebrate the miracle that they've seen. What a powerful thought. As I close this morning, I'm not really sure what God, how He wants to challenge your heart, but I really feel that the Holy Spirit is prompting you in different ways through the worship this morning, the communion and the message as we've gathered together. I'm going to invite you to stand with me and close your eyes if you're comfortable. I'm just going to pray a blessing over us as we close off this morning. We're going to go to the grazing table soon and fellowship and share together. And But maybe you're here this morning and as we close our eyes and we come before the Lord, maybe there's stuff going on in your heart and you're like that little boy. You, you need to give something to Jesus. Maybe you need to give him a hurt. Maybe you need to give him a fresh commitment. Maybe you need to give him something, whatever it looks like in your life. If you need prayer this morning, either during this song or towards the end when we close off, feel free to come down and we'll pray. love to pray for you. But before that, I just want to pray a corporate response. Join in your heart in faith, in silent prayer with me. Father, I just want to thank you so much that you are the God of miracles and the God of more than enough. Lord, I want to thank you that the problems that you see and that we see, would you please do a miracle in our perspective that we would see problems as opportunities? I want someone to know that this morning, that even even sinful problems, even bad habits, even stuff you're stuck in, no matter what it is, what it looks like, God doesn't see it with judgment. God doesn't point the finger with condemnation. He points the finger to say, here's your next victory. This is an opportunity to see the overcoming power of the Holy Spirit in your life. No matter what a problem looks like, God says, I am the God on the solution side, and I love you so much that I want you to participate in the miracle. So Father, I just pray over our problems, over things that are stresses, over things that may be weighing us down this morning, Lord, as we just lift them up to you. We look like that little boy lifted up his lunch. We lift them up and say, God, would you do your miracle working power in this space? I give it to you this morning. I release it to you. I thank you, Father, that I am blessed, broken, and I overflow with the power of God in my life. Father, would you bless every person here this morning in this room, for anyone that doesn't know you this morning, that this morning they would say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to be forgiven. And that they'd have the boldness to come and talk to one of the leaders and say, would you pray for me?